The current political situation in Brazil is standing at a crossroads. On one hand, the sitting current president is trying to vowing more voters continue for this uh, greater presidency, but meanwhile, the competitors also brings a lot more interesting and should I say exciting ideas that how he is going to change the country for the much greater future. But meanwhile, when we look at this international politics, that China today is playing rather an indispensable role in the midst of the whole Brazilian presidential election. And how should we understand the rule of China? And what about the saying, according to some experts, believe that China today is not only interested in building partnership or economic relationship with Brazil, but also they believe that China is trying to, quote, occupying Brazil in a much greater way. Now, ladies and gentlemen, please allow me to welcome our distinguished speaker is Dr. Marcus de Freitas. Now, Marcus, it's a senior fellow at the Policy Center for the New South, focusing on international law, international relations, and Brazil. And he's currently a visiting professor of international law and international relations at China Foreign Affairs University in Beijing. He was the president of the São Paulo Decorated of the Progressive Party, having run for vice governor of the state of São Paulo in 2010, where his party pulled in third place with more than 1.2 million votes. Now, Dr. Marcus, and welcome back to The Missing Piece. Thank you, Will. Thank you so much for the invitation. It's always a pleasure to talk to you and to your and to your, your audience. So thank you so much for the invitation. Well, Dr. Marcus, again, let's get started. We know, as we mentioned before, now the current political situation in Brazil is standing at the crossroads. Not only people are looking at how the candidates and the current president is changing some of the domestic policies, you know, again, for much greater economic outlook, etc. But somehow China gets into the conversation. I want to read something to you. This is what I found out according to some articles. It says, some experts believe that China is occupying Africa, that China is today occupying Latin America. And also, China is very much interested in occupying Brazil and dominating Brazil. Now, based on the statement, Dr. Marcus, I want to get your reaction. And do you think China today is interested in occupying Brazil? And so how should we understand the word occupying or even the word dominating? Is there any misleading message behind those statements? Of course. All this is fake news, you know. Uh, Tucker Carlson from... Uh, from Fox News came to Brazil. And of course, he spoke with some people in this current administration. And I say, you know, um, it's not that the Bolsonaro administration is bad, right? You know, they have good technicians, but also with the ascension of the right in Brazil, which was in the closet for so many years, uh, there came some really weird people, right? And some of them have this, you know, uh, servitude position in relation to the policies of the United States and uh, and the European Union, and they feel that Brazil needs to always be uh, in compliance and working according to what the Americans say. And uh, and you hear that the United States has lost its uh, you know its role and its 
dominance over the Latin American agenda. Uh, because, you know, they always treated Latin America as a backyard. Brazil was never a relevant player. And of course, China, over the last 15 years, has grown to be the most important uh, economic partner of the region. And without any, any you know, uh, measures that could somehow, you know, um, create uh, some kind of balance, the Americans have been pushing this agenda only on a political level, never with the money side, right? Uh, so we hear that uh, here and there that some of these people are going to complain, oh, you know, China's buying Brazil, China's not buying from Brazil. You hear that kind of comment, which is completely, you know, not based on the reality of things, not taking into consideration the fact that China is the number one partner of Brazil uh, and of Latin America. The United States or the Europeans will never replace what the Chinese are doing now, and they have no counteroffer. So you hear that these people come with these arguments. And I always, uh, you know, I, I have a chance to speak on television in Brazil all the time. And I said, you know, this is the most ridiculous argument that people make, mm. right? Uh, the Chinese investment in Brazil is essential for the country. The Chinese purchases in Brazil are extremely important. And no matter who gets elected, uh, the agricultural sector of Brazil, which is a very important base of the Brazilian economy with high influence in, in, in the Brazilian political establishment, will always be in favor of China because there is no replacement for what China does. Mm. No, That's what I always like to say and repeat to people. If the United States or the Europeans were ever to give a counter offer, they would not even arrive, get any close to what China is doing in the region. So it's just a ridiculous argument that people make, uh, that you hear voices that, uh, that somehow agree with that uh, understanding, but they are completely mistaken. Dr. Marcus, again, I want to read a number to you. Back in 2021, 89.5% of all Brazilian exports to China, which includes, again, some of the crucial commodities, as you mentioned before, we're looking at soybeans and we're looking at oil, beef. Again, those were the essential commodities, not only for China, but also for many other countries. Now, given the fact that today, as we mentioned in the intro, Brazilian politics is standing at the crossroads can you help us to understand? Because we know that previously, the current sitting president, Bolsonaro, has complained about China owing to different issues. But right now, the tone has changed, not only because, again, uh, both countries play active roles in the BRICS, and also we're looking at this grand picture after the pandemic. So help us to understand what really changed Bolsonaro's idea or his rhetoric, and how should we perceive this relationship between China and Brazil today. And keep in mind that Brazil is uh, is going to elect a new president, but also China in a very soon. The current sitting president, Xi Jinping, it's going to have, or hopefully that to declare his third term presidency. So both countries are eyeing for something much bigger than just dealing with a domestic policy. What do you think? I think that what changed Bolsonaro is one thing, which is called reality. You cannot fight reality. Mm. 
You cannot find the reality that China is the largest buyer of Brazilian products. Mm. And there is no else in the, no, no one else in the world that can do the same thing. We, Brazil, signed an agreement with the Europeans regarding Mercosur and, you know, a free trade agreement between Mercosur and the European and the European Union. It's, it had been, you know, they had been working in that for 20 years. They signed an agreement and that agreement is going nowhere. Because, uh, you know, the French agricultural people, the establishment, and you know, all the people that work in agriculture in Europe do not want Brazil to supply products to them. And that's the only place where Brazil has a real high competitiveness, right? Uh, Bolsonaro fell into the trap, again, by these people from the right who are in the closet, who came out uh, in this situation, who are saying, oh, yeah, Brazil feeds the world. Brazil feeds 1, you know, 1 billion people. That's not true, right? Unless everyone eats only soybeans and meat, uh, which is not true, right? People eat more stuff than that. Uh, it's not true, right? But China is the player. China is the player. It's the only country that is investing in, the, in Brazil. The Americans are investing, but not as much, right? And I always say this, the synergy that Brazil can build with China is completely different from the synergy that Brazil can build with the United States. Right. The Americans are not going to invest more. The Europeans are not going to invest more in Brazil. While, you know, I always say if we do, if we have any gains, they're always going to be very marginal, while the gains on the relationship with China can be exponential. So the current president came with, you know, these ideas initially highly influenced by, you know, these people who were surrounding him, these ide ideologues that had no clue about reality. And once reality, you know, stepped in, stepped in and, you know, they had to realize, okay, all right. So, and also, so there's something that happened. Now, the current president uh, also thought that he was a close friend of Donald Trump, mm. which he really wasn't, right? Uh, but with the election of Biden, he was kind of, uh, he realized that he was isolated. And the fact that, uh, and I think that there was something else that, uh, made him change his mind. You know, remember that a few months ago, he decided to travel to Russia to meet with President Putin. That's right. Uh, to get to guarantee fertilizers from Brazil, which he did, right? Against the will of the United States and the European Union that said, oh, you should not go there and all that. But these guys would never supply the fertilizers that Brazil needed. Mm -hmm. How could Brazil keep feeding the Chinese or keep feeding the world or keep producing, you know, agricultural products if we had no fertilizers that were coming from, from Russia? So I think that it took them a little while to realize what the national interest is and what other people's interests are. And sometimes they do not match. And Brazilians' interests now match what the Chinese uh, have in store. They match with the Chinese interest. And I think it's an important moment that we're living in the world, this transition between powers and all that. I think it's important that Brazil actually is uh, on equal standing with China, Russia, and India, and South Africa in the BRICS. I think it's an important thing. Uh, an opportunity that the G7 would never grant Brazil. So mm -hmm. I think, you know, as we look into this new reality that is, now being, uh, that is getting constructed every single day, I think it's an important thing for us to work closely.
All right, Dr. Marcus. So let's pick up our conversation now. When we look at China today, specifically, we、we'll、look at this political changes or political strategy. The West has been very worried that China is actually using what they are saying, well, what they are calling is called wolf warrior diplomacy. So, in other words. Because the leadership of Xi Jinping, and because of this economic interest, not only from China but also from China towards the world, how do you think that today, that either the current sitting president and also maybe the future president of Brazil is going to understand and continue to work with China under this wolf warrior diplomacy? Again, despite all the rhetoric and also this harsh criticism. From the West, I remember when I lived in Beijing that sometimes we had a discussion about you know how should China behave internationally, right? And、uh, one of the things that I recall is that you know you cannot、uh, act the same way you did in the past,、mm. right? Because thirty years ago, forty years ago, you're not the second largest economy in the world,、mm. you're not the largest economy purchasing power parity,、mm. and China didn't play the role it does nowadays. So it is expected that China should change the behavior it had internationally, and what we have seen is、uh, China being a little bit more assertive. People、mm. call it the wolf, you know, the wolf warrior diplomacy, but I think it's part of the process of China becoming more assertive internationally,、mm. and. And that assertiveness is also the result of many of the things that have taken place、mm. that have somehow tried to build a negative narrative against China. You know,、uh, you will you will remember all the bad things that people are saying about COVID now、mm. that was generated in the lab. You know, all the conspiracy theories that went around against China. In a way that you know, China is going to benefit from the for, from the、uh, from the pandemic and all that. So we heard like the most stupid things when it comes to China. And、uh, and you know, there are two options here: you either remain quiet and you accept what people are saying, which perhaps may not be you know a good strategy. Or you have to be a little bit more assertive. So I understand that the wolf warrior diplomacy that people were complaining in the West、uh, was because of this assertiveness of China, which was really、uh, necessary just to make a point. And I understand that clearly. It's part of the universe of international relations to try to answer uh, in the same. Uh, At the same level or the same height that you have been attacked, it makes sense for me. Now,、uh, and of course, the West has been on this smear campaign sometimes against China because of the fact that it's been hard for people to accept、mm. the fact that you know China is becoming number one. Now, when it comes to Brazil,、uh, the same thing we faced. We had like some people. Domestically, who are embracing this narrative against China, forgetting the important role that China plays for the Brazilian economy, for Brazilian exports, and to the MV, and also for the fact that we are not competitors in the same segments.、Mm. We have, and I always try to emphasize this whenever I have a chance, and whenever I have a chance, that you know Brazil should not treat. China as a client,、mm. but as a partner, because we have lots of synergies, and that can be done together. And even though we are far away, we're distant. You know, we are one month away by boat.、Mm. Uh, 
I believe that we can do many things together because we're not competitors. And the fact that Brazil and China are together in the BRICS, together in another forum, uh, this is the only, I think, one of the those few opportunities in which we can actually change the face of the world, the face of global governance uh, by acting together. And Brazil would not have the same chance if we are trying to depend on the G7. So my point is, it makes sense for China to be more assertive. Well, but Dr. Marcus, in reality, again, as we mentioned before, and this is something that you um, answered the question uh, previously, you said somehow or sometimes that reality really help us to understand the truth better. But when we look at China today, again, because the pandemic that this global economy faced the much greater challenges. But today, that needless to say, the economic situation in China these days is also not quite promising. And some people are very worried about this economic future uh, within China. But meanwhile, undercurrents uh, a leader in China that we know one of the major project, which is called a Belt and Road Initiative, that include more than 100 countries involved in this project, Ideally speaking, this is supposed to be a legendary project that really pushed China to the next level. But given the current situation, again, it's quite worrisome and also it's quite, quite concerning to a lot of countries, not only in Southeast Asia, but also in Latin uh, American region. Now, my next question to you is, with China's current economic slowness and also this gradual comeback of the pandemic, how does Brazil or how does the leader in Brazil to understand or to ensure this long-term economic partnership is going to be continue to be fruitful and productive? So in other words, why do you think that Brazil or other countries continue to rely on China? But meanwhile, domestically speaking in China, it's a very unstable at this moment this question that you ask uh, is very important because we have to realize that um despite the fact that china is such a big country mm. it's still part of the world and china is really uh, integrated into the world more than anyone can think about if you think that china is the number one trading partner for more than 120 countries that gives an idea that any situation in the world will affect China. Mm. And we cannot uh, disconsider the impact of COVID-19. You know, COVID was responsible and he has been responsible for major problems in the supply chain, uh, also in the markets, and the fact that we still haven't recovered really from COVID. Mm. The European, the European, I think, you know, the, the World Health Organization just announced that in Europe they had 1.5 million new cases of COVID, and in the United States about 400 deaths on a daily basis related mm. to COVID. So the pandemic is still there. You add to into that the fact that we have a war in Ukraine that is affecting the global energy market like never before. And you know, and you have to remember that the people instead of buying Chinese products, they're spending more money in energy. Mm. Right? You know, I was just surprised to see that in Europe there are countries in which the average energy bill is about twenty percent of the annual income of a family. That's very high. 
And of course, you know, the Chinese model initially was based on, was an export-led model, mm. an export-oriented model. So you are going to suffer the consequences of a, of a world that is going through that type of situation, that kind of situation, and that difficult period. So it's a normal thing. You know, China is not an island. It's a big country, but it's not an island, definitely. And you also feel the winds of the world and the changes that are taking place. But you do have an advantage that people still don't realize, which is the enormous size of your domestic market, which remains mm. is still untapped, in my opinion, right? And uh, as a Brazilian, as somebody that uh, looks into the partnership and looks into the future of China, I think that your goal the, of reaching a $20,000 or $25,000 GDP per capita by 2049 is really disruptive. Mm. Because if, you know, if the, every Chinese is going to consume $20,000 or $25,000, that is a major disruption for the production markets like Brazil and everyone else in Latin America. So instead of, you know, being critical, I think that uh, it's in the interest of the world that China goes back into its normal growth. It's in the interest of the world that China taps into its domestic market. And it's in the interest of the world that we have a more stable situation around the globe. Now, we understand that COVID is not over. COVID is not over in China mm -hmm. either, right? And you're still facing the challenges associated with the policies that you have implemented, which makes sense from a Chinese perspective and a Chinese viewpoint. But we do have to understand that the situation is different. We live in a transition period. And also, and finally, Will, I'd like to emphasize, I would like to emphasize one point too. There is a lot of instability being generated because of fears regarding the future, mm. right? There are people, many people who want to restore the Cold War against, you know, China, trying to use the same methodology that was used in the 60s and the 70s against Russia, against the Soviet Union. And this generate this in itself generates a lot of instability that is not in the interest of the whole world. So we do see uh, and I like to emphasize this. It is important that China grows. It is important that China, you know, keeps the same uh, process of economic growth. It has challenges. It will have, it will face bumps in the road. Mm. But there is no doubt that, uh, you know, if China does keep its, you know, steady line and its steady growth and its steady goals, it is really beneficial for the whole world. Dr. Marcus, I want to move on to our conversation regarding the credibility of the leaders today. You know, again, when we look at Chinese President Xi Jinping and also look at the um, the current uh, president of Brazil, Bolsonaro, people always tend to find sort of uh, certain ways, either through social interactions or either through their, uh, again, their policies and try to understand what kind of person uh, that kind of leader is. So in other words, from your perspective, look at Xi Jinping and look at Bolsonaro. So how do you think that those two people today can actually create better friendship? And if Bolsonaro will win the next election. So in other words, looking ahead, how do you think that based on the current situation, politically speaking and also economically speaking, how do you think that Xi Jinping is able to work closely or continue this friendship 
with the current president of Brazil. What can we expect if the presidency will continue for Bolsonaro in the long run? Very tough question, Will. Very tough, you know. And uh, you have to understand that the way the Chinese leadership is chosen mm. is different from the way we choose leadership in Brazil and in many other countries in the world. Um, I always learned that for you to be a member of the top seven in China, you have to be very qualified, mm. right? You know, you have to be a tested, a tested public administrator. While in Brazil, you need to have charisma and, you know, uh, get elected, which is a whole, whole, whole lot of difference. Because sometimes the people that get elected will not be the ones that have the most capacity mm. to manage the situation, right? So it's a different, uh, those are two different animals uh, from based on, on their formation and what they do and the role that they play. Now, President Xi Jinping is a long-term planner that wants, you know, to get China to reach a certain level. And in, in Brazil, you know, think about this presidential election. Uh, Lula da Silva, the competitor against Bolsonaro, hasn't even presented his government plan, how he wants to govern in the next, you know, four years. He said, oh, I'm going to do basically the same thing I did before. But the world has changed so much that it makes no sense for him to do the same things he did before. But the guy is not even presenting a plan to mm. govern. Can you think about this? Is that possible in a country that plans every five years what they're going to do in the next 50? You know, to talk about an election where the guy doesn't even provide a plan regarding the future. So it's a complicated matter, mm. right? Uh, and and that's the and that's why we haven't been able to get out of the you know economic uh, circle, the you no know, vicious cycle of not growing over the last few years, right? You know, for and we had recession and all that. So, uh, so that's I think the challenge that we face in that sense. Uh, but again, I wished. As I said to you uh, before, that Brazil understood how we can work and how we should improve the relationship to work together in a way that is more effective. Now, let me give you an example. I was surprised to, to see that, you know, in the 14 years that Angela Merkel was Chancellor of Germany, mm. Prime Minister of Germany, mm. she, went to, she went to China 12 times. That's right. 12 times and you see the relationship that you know germany has developed with china now the brazilian president has only been to china once it makes no sense we have to be working together we need to get together and we need president xi jinping to go to brazil as many times as possible and we need bolsonaro to go to china as many times as possible because mm -hmm. uh it's people diplomacy that matters first. And the more we get to know each other, the better it is because we are able to identify the synergies and the possibilities that can be, uh, and the future that both countries can write together. So that's what I think is necessary for people to understand. And I keep writing and I keep telling people, you know, if Brazil wants to change, if Brazil wants to be, uh, because, we are in a transition. The world is not going to be the same as it has been. Europe is not the same. You know, uh, the relationship with Europe is not going to provide us, you know, real big uh, wins or with the United States. So we have to bet on Asia. This is the Asian century. And at the head of it is China. So 
and I feel like I'm pretty, you know, I'm preaching to the Chinese and the, to the converted already who understand this. But I, and that's what I keep telling in Brazil. We have to understand how the winds of change are moving. Mm-hmm. Right, you have to see that. Uh, people didn't see that in the in the uh, you know when the fall of the so uh, of the Soviet system. Let me give you this example. Mm-hmm. With the fall of the Soviet system, there were so many scientists that left Russia, that left the Soviet Union to the world, and Brazil didn't take advantage of that opportunity for us to improve our the quality of our research because we we couldn't understand uh, the winds of change. So I think this is an opportunity. I think, you know, uh, that presidents should work out together. And if Brazil remains a little uh, mentally colonized mm-hmm. by the Europeans and by the Americans, we're not going to go very far. So we need to understand where the chances are, where the possibilities are. And hopefully, you know, if President Bolsonaro gets elected for a second term or whether Lula gets elected, I hope that both of them will understand how things are changing and where the world is going. That's right. Well, Dr. Marcus, I want to wrap up our conversation by going back to the beginning of the question. Again, some people strongly believe, or again, some people, I guess that's part of the reason why they're trying to uh, advocate this idea that Brazil should distance itself away from China. It's only because so-called China does not buy from Brazil, but it's actually buying Brazil. Again, as you mentioned before, this is just fake news, and this is not something actually taking place. Now, but I still want to wrap up the conversation by going back to the question is, if China, according to what you said, if China is not actually buying Brazil, but it's only it's actually buying something, where again, building this long-term economic relationship or building this long-term political engagement with the country, how do you think for the much greater future that China is going to continue to play a greater role, not only for Brazil, but also for more Latin American nations? So in other words, how do you think that we should able to understand that China is actually doing something good, not only for the country in Latin America, but also for the people, for the culture, for the language, or for whatever any other reasons that we can think about at this moment? What do you say to that? Keep growing. Keep growing, you know, tap into your domestic market, you know, keep the goal of $20,000, of GDP per capita. Mm. And this is going to be so disruptive for the region. That is the best thing that could ever ever happen. Because, again, even the, if you look into the United States or the European Union, their economic growth is not going to be like, you know, 3%, 5% or anything like that. Mm. While China still has some road to grow. I remember that uh, one of the, discuss- the many discussions that I had with my students in Beijing is that they said China will always be a developing country. And I said to them, and this is a good thing, you mm. know, because if you're always developing, that means that the whole world is supplying you with the things that you need. Right? right. And now what Latin America needs to do, and I think we should work together on this win-win perspective, we need to find ways of adding value to products that are exported from the region into China with added value in the region so that the 
uh, instead of selling bananas, let's sell, you know, banana jam. Mm. Instead of saying uh, uh, only iron ore, let's try to sell, you know, steel. And it's important that we have cross investments. Brazilian companies invested in China, understanding China, and we have, you know, Chinese companies invested in Brazil. This is a two-way road. That's how you build a partnership. That's how you build win-win strategies in the long run. So when I look into the future, I'm very op optimistic, expecting people to understand that, you know, the situation is positive. Of course, some people are going to go back and, you know, rely on the fake news and, you know, bring like the communist card, mm. you know, which they try to bring sometimes this communist card and said, you know what? Go to China, visit China, and you are going to find out one thing. You're going to find that the Chinese are more capitalist than we ever or any country that you have been because, you know, there's so much competition uh, in the country because of the size of the country, because of the size of the economy, because of the size of the population. So we should benefit from it. So when I look into the future, I'm very positive. But one thing that I should uh, say, and if I can always, you know, uh, mention that, Try to bring, you know, Latin America to add more value to the products that they sell to the Chinese. I think this would be a great strategy and uh, and the infrastructure and everything that, you know, the region does need, which the other partners are not willing to do. They do not have the capacity to do. They do not have the funds to do it. And they are not willing to do so. They haven't done it so far. And uh, it looks like they're not going to do that in the future. So that's why I think, and I'm very positive about the relationship between China and Brazil, no matter who the president is. And I think that sometimes China will have to hear these strange comments that come from people politically motivated and realize, okay, but in the long run, we're good together. Well, Dr. Marcus, I couldn't agree with you more. Again, not only what you said to people to say, just go to China to actually see everything with their own eyes. But meanwhile, I want to say to our audience, you also we need to travel to Brazil to really understand this interesting culture and this hospitable, uh, hospitable people. And most importantly, to understand the value in every single country and in every single culture. Well, ladies and gentlemen, it's my great honor to speak to Dr. Marcus De Freitas. And Dr. Marcus, it's a senior fellow at Policy Center for the New South, focusing on international law, international relations and in Brazil, and is currently a visiting professor of international law and international relations at China Foreign Affairs University in Beijing, China. Now, Dr. Marcus, Thank you so much for taking your time to join the show. It's been a pleasure speaking to you, and we'd love to have you back on the show. And hopefully that when the result after the election comes out, we'd love to see your take and continue to discuss this bilateral, meaningful relationship between China and Brazil. Thank you so much for doing this.